iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, everybody. It's Ruck time again. Thanks to everyone for following us, downloading us, listening to us, and reacting to us. We've got some big treats coming up in the next few weeks. Got a big new signing shortly to announce, so it's all go. Thanks for uh, helping us achieve our real big listening numbers we've got three great guests today um, by popular demand mark evans is back and it pains us to admit it but he went down the storm last time he was here it took us two hours to uh, explain his career last time this time we'll just say he was a, a god at saracens harlequins melbourne storm stadium for cornwall Newcastle 2019 to get the uh, the big games up there. He's also in charge of market rugby league world cup 2021. No, no, I'm not in charge. Sorry. Just helping out. Okay, helping out. Okay, well that would be the the disaster his career probably would been waiting for. But um, <laughs> also staggeringly chairman of the Vitality Netball Super League. Indeed, Ab- absolutely first class. No, honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think of a joke about that, but there isn't one. I think nope. that's, great that's, that's a great. Alex Lowe, the distinguished uh, rugby writer of the Times, he's also the voice of Barry from Watford on the Steve Wright <laughs> Radio Two Radio Show. And you, you Google him; he's definitely. Last week, Alex did a great story on Joe Batley, the Bristol player who only seven months ago was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and actually played this weekend. Oh, that was a fantastic story. And Sam Peters. Um, Sam first came to prominence on the Mail on Sunday. Uh, he then entered journalism with, with the Sunday Times and, uh, to be fair, has conducted one of the longest, uh, bravest and most influential campaigns um, in on, on concussion in rugby and, and in general sport. And on the weekend, Sam was reporting from the NFL game um, where... Uh, their their protocols and the, and all their systems, Sam, are now approaching the uh, 21st century. Yeah, really interesting. Okay, we've just seen the first pool round of the Heineken Champions Cup, and uh, what a round it was! It was absolutely terrific. I think the 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 the, the, the general standard wavered a bit, but um, Mark Newcastle, one of your uh, teams, you've taken to heart in a way, mm. won away at Toulon. Now that's not the worst result. In fact, it's a fantastic result. What do yeah, you think? Deserved it. I mean, they were the better team. I mean, they gave them, gifted them seven points at the kickoff, um, and went on to win. And and I think what made it more, even more interesting, is that they made ten, Dean made ten changes from the week before. Uh, um, with all uh, that horrible phrase, with all due respect to the guys, that is not Newcastle's top choice fifteen. Um, so to go down to Toulon, who I accept are not the team they were, but have not been beaten. I think Saracens are the only other team to have beaten them in the. Champions Cup down there. That's a tough, fair play. Chapeau. Great result. Sam, um, one of the teams that we would love to come through, to just to give the whole thing a bit of a geographical balance, is the Scarlets. Mm. You were there on Saturday where they were just pipped by uh, by Racing 92, one mm. of the favourites. Yeah. I mean, cruelly, but surely they had to win that if they're going to have a chance in the pool. It looks a really, really tough for them now to go through from that I mean they, they really came through in the second half they probably should have won it scored two good tries uh, Gareth Davis a scrum half in particular terrific try um, and um, John Davis coming into the game 
just when they needed him. But yeah, they slipped to a penalty try loss and um, it's going to be really hard. I mean, Pivak said before that game, uh, just like all the coaches know, you've got to start well and win your home games. It's a cliche, but it's it's true and uh, tough to see a way back. But I'll tell they, they did lose their first two games last year and did qualify in that staggering last game against Toulon. Um, so all hope not given up, but tough from now. Alex, Bath Toulouse, what a bizarre game. Yeah, it was not not a not a game that Freddie Burns is going to want to to reflect on. But there were huge talking points with um, with the Jerome Kaino tackle on on Jamie Roberts, and, and then that finish where where Bath had had earned the right to win the game. Um, Freddie Burns misses a penalty goal from from in front of the sticks, and then blows it at the end. Um, and you know, from a, on a personal level, I felt sorry for him because it was a horrendous error. But he's a professional rugby player, and you can't go showboating like that at, at that level. Sam, uh, um, Alex um, just brought up the the, uh, the the tackle between Jerome Kano and uh, Jamie Roberts. I mean, mm. basically, um, Jamie was uh, in in possession, was just about to take off when he, he just ran straight into Kaino. Um, the both of them were upright. In my opinion, they, neither of them had a chance really to, to get lower than they were. There was a massive crunch at which Jamie was taken off and failed the HIA. Jerome Kano was yellow carded. Now, I've watched it many times. I'm not quite sure whether it was a red card, a yellow card or no penalty at all. Mm. Does that just show how difficult it is sometimes? Well, I think it depends if we're going on sort of emotion or going on what is the what is the law, what is the diktat that's been given to the referees by by. As as the game stands at the moment, that was a red card in my view. Um, was a yellow card a sort of fair position to take? Probably. Was the was you know in my day that should have been both players get up and crack on. Then yeah, there's definitely a view out there that we've heard pretty vocally on Twitter as often by ex players. But in my view, that was a red card. If the if the if the referee was was implementing the dictat that World Rugby had put down. Zero tolerance when two heads are around in the same position, head-to-head contact, tackle is responsible. You know, we spoke to Ross Tucker in this studio with Owen Slot a few weeks ago and he explained it very clearly what they were trying to achieve. And I think that should have been a red. I think Kano was really lucky, concussed the player. Jamie coming back from a broken jaw, let's not forget as well. He did uh, say, General Kano did say to his credit, he thought it would be red. Mm-hmm. Alex? The, the game's in a place where it's, it, it doesn't know which direction it's supposed to be turning in about four weeks ago George Smith was sent off for a very similar almost identical tackle but then had the red card rescinded Mm. that tackle that George Smith made that Jerome Kino made is as Ross Tucker explained in the most the bracket of the most dangerous tackles statistically that you can make on a rugby field mainly because it's actually the tackler who's generally more vulnerable to injury than the the ball carrier Mm. But it doesn't really matter. It's, it's in the bracket, upright with force, in within the most dangerous tackles you can make. So Smith was was sent off, I think rightly, but then then had it rescinded. Jerome Kaino wasn't sent off when he probably should have been, particularly as Joel Jutko, the head of referees for European rugby, um, spoke to all coaches and actually all broadcasters in the build-up to explain there was going to be a zero tolerance policy. Mm. Mark, yeah. We need to be more concerned about the direction of travel. And I think the direction of travel is in the right direction. We're always going to have debates about individual incidents. Mm. Was it a red? Was it a yellow? Mm. Was it nothing? Does mm. an individual incident really matter? 
in the bigger scheme of things, it really doesn't. What is important is that players and spectators and other horrible word coming up, stakeholders, mm. understand that there's going to be less and less tolerance of head collisions. And if we can move in that direction, that can only be a good thing. And debating endlessly the minutiae of an individual incident, I don't think moves the debate on very far. Mm. Fair enough. Um, just, just go back to the actual playing side. Um, Blues, we've waited uh, a long time for your hometown team, Mark, to, yes. um, to, to, to do anything. They won away in Lyon. Not only that, but one or two individual players, I thought Thomas Williams, Gareth Hanscom, played really well. But what, 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 a, good, what a great win. Terrific win. Um, Gareth Hanscom's mm. try was just and I use the word sparingly, it was beautiful. Mm. I mean, as an object lesson of carrying the ball in two hands, I mean, that last little bit of it, when he, he just, oh, he must give the pass. Mm. Oh, no, he's just, he's, mm. just, he's, just, he's just given a half a dummy and he's gone. No one put a finger on him. Just, just fabulous. Uh, and given the fact they got scrummaged off the park, that, that make no mistake, they got absolutely drilled but the back row and the half-backs were fantastic mm. and they took their chances. I don't think they'll get out of the group. I don't think they're strong enough up front and I think Glasgow will beat them. But great win. Really, really good win. OK, what, what was the verdict on uh, uh, Friday night? Leinster absolutely hammered Wasps and played extremely well. If you look at the Wasps team, I think there were 10 first-choice players not there. And don't forget now, I think that only makes the two teams level in terms of uh, matches won and lost against each other in European competition. Anyone got a dramatic opinion on, on Leinster Wasps? Well, I, I just saw the, the, the local paper reporter in, in Coventry said it was it's just under a thousand days since Wasps put 50 points on Leinster. Mm -hmm. And in that time, they've transformed Leinster into this, it's this kind of behemoth team who, will, who can beat anyone. They can, in, in any way, um, and as we've discussed on this podcast before, the structure was perfect for them to, to name what was effectively the Ireland team for a provincial game. Um, and, and Wasps were always on hiding to nothing going over there, but I think the way that they were torn apart was um, was of concern for, for them and of no real surprise to me, to be honest. If there was a moment in that game, to me, that shows, I mean... I'm sometimes accused of highlighting too many of the negatives of the sport of rugby, but let's talk about the positives and how the game has evolved and improved. And to have Furlong, that, that oh. break and offload mm. was just ridiculous. Mm. I mean, has there ever been a better uh, example of a prop forward running a line, moving his feet, giving the pass, everything perfection? I mean, Jerry Guskett would have been pr proud of that. It really was sublime. And, and, you know, fair play to these forwards in particular are evolving their game to a point where they're actually just brilliant world-class footballers. I think that's fine but I have to say you've redeemed yourself for negative uh, reactions by comparing Tad Fulham to Jerry Guscott <laughs> you can you, you, you be forgiven for all your previous negative reactions, well done yeah. I, th I think, think Sam's right though like I'm just checking my phone's <laughs> ringing, it's Jeremy Guscott um, but, but we do Not this early in the day <laughs> it's a bit early we, for him, We do yeah. talk <laughs> with concern about the, the way the game is going in some in some elements you know, we, we discussed the tackles and the, the safety element but the game has also evolved brilliantly in other areas and the skill level you see across the teams now and, and, and Ty Furlong is, is probably the greatest example in the Northern Hemisphere of, of a multi-talented multi-skill forward Mako mm. who the probably not far behind but, but 
Tyke sets the bar. He's just brilliant to watch in, in every area of the game. But I do think that what he can do, first of all, is scrummage. Now, the, the, prob- Absolutely, yeah. the problem is with with the way the game's going. The scrum is now gone because the, 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 the refs stay, stand there like idiots telling you to play the ball when you've got it at number eight's feet, which is all wrong. Ruck is long gone. The mall's now gone because they let you come round offside and stop it, as both teams did in, in Glasgow yesterday. So... Uh, Sorry, you, that was the wind guy. Out the you might as well. You may as well have no forwards. You just have fifteen backs, the, uh, the, and, and that's that's the that's the bad thing. The climax of the the extra monster game which finishes a draw. There was a, a scrum about thirty seconds from time, which Exeter just destroyed their pack. Um, monster collapsed, and it was a, a, a penalty as clear as day. But the ball was at the back. The referee waved play on. That penalty would have won them the game. Absolutely. Now, guys, I just got something that you consider regarding the English clubs. I mean, they made some of a comeback yesterday. But I think for the first round of Europe, none of Bath, Exeter, Gloucester, Saracens, none of those played anywhere remotely near the intensity they've played in the, in, in the Premiership. And I don't know whether some you know I'm not saying they were poor but for instance Exeter were nothing remotely like themselves I think that actually it is so competitive in the league and there are so many tough games I think teams are more keen on qualifying for the next Europe for for the financial side of it than competing in in this Europe I think Southampton did play with intensity didn't they they just didn't they just didn't run away with it and score 50 points they they had they spent the whole second half in a pretty brutal game keeping Glasgow out um, I thought it was a pretty good effort from them to be honest we're just we're used to them scoring bonus point tries every week um, and playing with this this sort of untouchable style of rugby um, they had to dig in up in, in Glasgow and I I thought they did they did that very well and, and bravely but um, could have got I mean I thought Sarancelson were a bit lucky if I'm honest um, that wasn't a try he was huh? in touch and it was the only try of the game and Glasgow didn't kick their points. I mean, Young Hastings missed a sitter uh, to go 3 0 up. Uh, and then they unbelievably got three penalties in a row on the stroke of half time yeah, and kicked yeah. to the corner yeah. for no result whatsoever. Now, that's a 13 that's a point swing. And it's not like Saracens had loads and loads of chances. They defended really well, and they're yeah. a great defensive team, as are all the top teams. I mean, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? Glasgow Saracens was a pretty high level game, not many points. Exeter Munster was a pretty high level game, not many points. Go on, go on, it's the way it's going. It's it's the it's the. It, I don't think that we are likely to see in the in in this competition when the the top eight or nine teams face each other it's 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 going to be a, a 20 point game you know whereas you look in the premiership at the minute it's 50 mm. 60 70 it's a really interesting change i'm not sure what to make of it yet but it's definitely a change oh, well I'll just give one more example gloucester were at home and eventually came out of the game what you've got to do in 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 uh, European Cup, no one seems to get it. They get it in Ireland, they don't get it in England. You've got to win at home, and you've got to stop the other lot getting the bonus point because almost all the time it comes down to the aggregate of two games against the teams. And Gloucester were not devilish enough in getting the bonus point that was there. And and I don't think they play half as well in Europe as they should do. Sam, 
to me the big worry was Exeter's performance I think you know Baxter Rob Baxter is clearly you know exceptional coach only to go down that path but the fact is that he has been saying in recent weeks we're focusing on Munster which is quite a brave thing to do because Exeter have been off just off slightly off where you'd expect them they haven't been as impressive as Saracens in the premiership but he's saying you know we've got to build we've learnt lessons from previous campaigns we've only got out the knockout stages once in five years I think and we are basically looking to play a certain way against Munster much more confrontational and physical but it just didn't work for them on on the weekend you know they really didn't perform um, and I think again we talked about how tough it's going to be for Scarlets to get out of their group it looks really tough for Exeter to get out of that group as well and I think that's a big worry for them because they really need to kick on they know they need to kick on as a club getting to premiership finals is fantastic they've been on a big upward curve but to continue it the European knockout stages and semi-finals and finals has got to be where they're at and it's a bit worrying that on Saturday I thought It's a good point that I, I, I'm not so sure whether at heart the English clubs would agree because I think the English and the French clubs financially it's so huge in their domestic competitions I think that's where they go first I'm only saying subconsciously VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Recently, it was revealed that World Rugby uh, have had serious discussions uh, and indeed have agreed the format of a new competition in which all 12 of the top rugby nations will be involved or will play each other over the uh, length of the competition, which could be one year, but it could actually be three years as well. And the only thing at stake now is rather the big thing as, as to whether it can be commercially floated. It would have to make an absolute fortune in the TV and commercial markets because some of the revenue would have to replace, for instance, at Twickenham, four autumn international matches. So it'd have to be colossal. The idea is that some of the tier two nations would sneak into this and also there'd be a second tier with, wait for it, promotion and relegation into the top tier. So far, it's fairly um, uh, sparse with detail, but it is a definite, definite intent of of the council to go ahead and see what they can do. Sam, does it appeal to you or does it add yet more games? Because at a, at a very maximum, as far as I could see, there would be one fewer game per year and surely we need to get rid of more than that. Everyone who sort of is looking at the, the product of rugby and what is actually put out on the pitch knows the players play too much I don't think any that, that sort of argument needs to be uh, picked apart again but um, it would amaze me if this doesn't end up in playing more games um, I don't really understand how the Lions fit into it um, 
could you have a Lions tour in June and then play tests in July? I'm not sure quite how that would work. No, um, the, the Lions tour is it's sacrosanct yeah. in this, and you, you wouldn't play that, that every year. Right. Well, I mean... It, the idea, I guess, is to is to reduce the amount of so-called friendly games. Um, I mean, you know, November now seems to be four tests. Come what may, every country seems to play a game outside of the test window. Each, you know, that seems to have just been accepted that that's the case. Um, I mean, I th- I'd like to see a lot more flesh on the bones, and quite frankly, to understand how it looks before I come down really hard on either side. But I- I'd be amazed if it doesn't result in more Mark, internationals. Mark, Mark will tell us about the commercial side because he understands these things. But Alex, does it sound too much to you? You, you would be taking away some games that are taken semi-seriously and being replaced by yeah. death or glory stuff. Uh, the only friendlies I would international friendlies I ever really consider are, to be friendlies are those in the build-up to a World Cup. Mm. There is some some trial selections going on, and you are building towards something else. Don't tell me that Ireland v New Zealand in November is a friendly. It's not a friendly. England South Africa is not a friendly. It's a one-off game. There's a lot riding on it. Um, my concern, I, I agree with Sam, there isn't enough detail for, for us yet. But UEFA have introduced the UEFA Nations League to get rid of football friendlies, which was a more valid attempt because football friendlies had become a bit of a laughing stock with teams being mm. changed at half time, etc. But for anyone to take the competition seriously, you have to understand it and everyone has to buy into it. And England played Croatia. I know it was behind closed doors for other reasons, but didn't particularly feel like a competitive mm. game anyway. And they're playing Spain this week. It's technically a competitive game, but no, because you don't buy into the tournament yet, doesn't really make any difference. Mark, um, as I said, the commercial activity would have to be mountainous. Do you, do you see any sign that it could possibly be? Possibly, but I've got some, I've got some concerns in the sense that if you're going to drive more revenue from it, you have to, as Alex says, you have to create a, a tournament or a structure that people buy into that they and. And, and from from what little I've read of this, and, and I, I agree, I don't think there's an awful lot of detail out there at a minute. You're almost overlaying things on top of the Six Nations and, and, and that sort of thing, and and I think that's very difficult to get people to understand. I mean, it's hard enough in the in the Heineken when it you know starts in October and it finishes in May, and you have to pick up people's interests and all that kind of stuff. And you know, if you look at the Heineken as a commercial vehicle, I think it's it's reasonable to say that if you'd asked people 20 years ago where it would be commercially, it would be a bit lot bigger than it, than it, than it is now. Absolutely. And I'm sure one of the reasons for that is it's, it's very hard to get a narrative going about a competition that is spread over nine months. If you're going to spread the international game over 12 months or 24 months or whatever it might be, I think that's a tough sell to drive value. My other concern for it is... And this is paradoxical because uh, I know Jones will come back and say, oh, well, they got promotion relegation in it. This to me looks tier one playing tier one more mm. rather than where I thought we were moving <clears> towards, <throat> which is a structured programme for tier two countries. I mean, we are the only sport that puts countries into tier one and tier two, mm-hmm. and which in and of itself is, is slightly strange. But, you know, here we are. I assume trying to drive more revenue for tier one nations other than England and France, who are the two countries not short of revenue. That is a real issue and one that needs to be um, thought through carefully. 
I'm not sure just trying to squeeze more money out of what the fixtures that are already there is gonna do it and I do worry you know things like you know I know we've heard this before but South Africa have never played in the Pacific Islands ever ever you know the last time the only time that I think uh, since for, for many many years that New Zealand went there well since 1984 actually they lost one and a half million dollars in that hmm. in that test hmm. in 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 uh, in Apia. This is not going to fix that. It's certainly not going to give Georgia, for example, and no, Georgia are not a big commercial country. There's only three million people there, but they are a rugby country. Hmm. Um, they're another small rugby country like New Zealand and Wales um, in terms of population. Um, but this will not give them a regularity of fixture that they need to improve and you've heard me say it many times i'm really about growing the sport across more countries but to do that i do understand you've almost got to fix some of the tier ones who are really really battling financially at the minute argentina and Australia are really, really struggling. Well, so too South Africa and New Zealand, as far as I'm concerned. To a lesser degree, I mean, and also South Africa, some of the things, and to be fair, Argentina, some of those things there are beyond rugby. Mm. That, that, that's yeah. more to do with the, the economy but, but and they do, the they politics. Do, they do say that Fiji and Japan would be in the top 12. So at least you've got two in, well, and then you've got a chance for someone else to be to be to be promoted. But it is very much um, uh, up in the air at the moment. So that's as, that's as far as we're going with that. Mark's given us um, um, uh, pros and cons for that, and uh, and we think we're just going to move on to England now. England announced their team for the Autumn Internationals. Alex, massively, massively important. But first of all. Um, Who's cropped and who's not? That's the question. Well, I mean, as we speak, uh, Steve, we're waiting on updates from Saracens on, on the Vuna Polar brothers, um, who both limped out of the the game in Glasgow. Um, Marotoji got a broken nose, but I don't think that'll keep him out of Eddie Jones's plans. In fact, we're probably, probably pleased that the Maro's a bit less pretty than he was before. But um, loose heads are a potential issue because if, if Mako's ankle injuries, it looked like, it does keep him out, then they've got no Mako. No Marla, no Ellis Genge, no Ben Urbano, no Matt Mullen, who have all been in and around the England setup. So you'd be looking at probably the two extra lads in, in Alec Hepburn and, and Ben Moon, who was called into the last training camp. Maybe even Val Rapava Ruskin from Gloucester, who's, who's had a good start to the well, season. I was going to say that on the loose head because Val Rapava Ruskin, he could only probably would he be the first uh, person called Val ever to play for England? I can't think of another one. But the other thing is, I just Dina got, can get capped. I've got to quote Singleton. you from. I've got to quote you from Johnny Fordham of the Sun. Who? Johnny Fordham of the Sun. Always a child. Seriously, always authoritative when it comes to front row forwards. <laughs> and comics. He said, uh, talking about Val Rapaba Ruskin, he says the Gloucester props, uh, the Gloucester prop downs five raw eggs every morning, <laughs> then tries not to puke them up. Oh, now, thanks, I think that's the, that's the technical insight we want. Yeah. Sam, um, do, we, do we not want to see an England team now that's a bit more regular than the, the chopping and changing? Well, you, you, it feels just horribly like four years ago in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. When we're just closing in and you've got this sort of clarity of thought, which is quite easy to kind of get to. That's not underplaying the success Jones had at the start, which was obviously exceptional. But it does just feel, I mean, Alex is closer to the England setup than I am. But just as you need a settled 15, just that, obviously, we all hop back to 2003, but you could pretty much read a 16 or 17 
into a starting 15 week in week out in those autumn internationals in 2002 um just feels a long long way from it at the moment yeah. that's for sure and but you don't know what his back row is going to look no, like you um, don't know what his midfield is going to look like no. and but billy's a weird one for me because i know he hobbled off on the weekend but I, and I wasn't at the game but it seems every time i've watched him play he ices his arm after every game and is that not a worry as well because well, he's obviously got a cold had arm. broken arm or a hot arm he's trying to call it <laughs> yeah, hot arm, but yeah. his hot arm is that because the bone is still not fixed properly I mean I'm just putting that out there does he not need a more extended time out so of the that, game you're right, so Mako if Mako's struggling England are, are now weak at loose head mm. when they have been so, so strong mm. Billy has been out for so long over the last two years that you almost can't quite rely on him yet mm. and, and Nathan Hughes I would expect will get banned this week so then you're looking at He's a very different player to Billy, anyway. A very different player, not not as good, but also then you. But he he is capped and he has Mm. some experience. (laughs) Then you're looking at Zach Mercer, who's uncapped, and you've got Michael Rhodes, who's uncapped, Mm. and then, and then the midfield again, Manu's back and playing. You feel that Eddie Jones will immediately want to have him involved. What's the knock-on effect? And then we're into the the whole Danny Cipriani debate again. Because if is there a debate around that? (laughs) Manu's not not in Eddie Jones's head. I don't. (laughs) Manu's appetite for work. It, when I see him in games recently, is absolutely nil. Mm. Mark, should we should England not be even even agreeing with it, feeling sorry for their injuries? Should they not be further ahead in team building by now, um, especially midfield? Maybe probably, but he is a long time, and you know, last cycle Australia were in absolute bits. Twelve months out, they were getting hosed, mm. and Checker came in and took him to a World Cup final. You know, it, it, things can change really, really quickly. And I know it's great fun um, to constantly analyse and poke and prod around at the England team. And that's part, you know, that's all part of the, all part of the fun and games. But I, I wouldn't really be making any solid judgments on England until well into the Six Nations. I think if they come out of the Six Nations the way they came out of last year's, then that really is a mountain to climb. Mm. But at the minute, you know, all sorts of things can change and you can sometimes, I've been there, you can stumble across your team, you know, after all kinds of chops and change and then suddenly there it is and it seems so obvious. You think, well, why didn't I do that before? But do, do, you, you, think, do you think that, that the, the regime can withstand sort of inevitable pressure that will come? <coughs> they've, lost, they've lost six out of seven. They've got the box the All Blacks Japan oh, and Australia it, it, if those results don't come but their team building can they w- withstand the inevitable well if South Africa with their fifth choice scrum half yeah true, um, true. you know can, can cobble it together and they're looking it look, it's a tough schedule but England are at home you know they've got an enormous number of very good players um, and they should win at least two probably three um, do I think the pressure then would be enormous if they don't um I'm not, I'm not sort of um, party to the machinations of the RFU. I don't know. Probably not. Don't I think, think the RFU have got any machinations. They're going to be a bit sharper than that. I mean, Arthur highlighted on um, Friday, I think, when you know we get this round. I don't know why, to be honest, because they never speak to us <laughs> when they're there. But we get told which coaches are going where every every weekend and it was quite interesting as, as Alex pointed out that neither the attack or defence coach was anywhere I think Eddie was back at Gloucester for the fourth time and um, you know I mean it, it, my worry really is it actually feels like the coaching setup is as sort of fractured and un- disunited if that's the word ununited lacking unity um, as it as it probably 
ever has been um, at this point a year out from a World Cup and at least Lancaster had his backroom staff in place and they all knew who was doing what and um, it doesn't feel like that with Eddie. It feels like it's a really sort of uh, unsettled coaching yeah, team. I, I was just surprised he brings in Mitchell, not just as defence coach, mm. but as his number two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know he's based for a lot, a lot of the time in South Africa and he'll watching games on TV, but these are the, the European fixtures just before his first stint as, as England number two in a really important autumn. I was really surprised that he's not over here mm. taking in matches, talking to players, yeah. going around clubs and actually getting an understanding of what, what they're trying to do. Mike, if you were coaching England, whenever we hear Tulangi, is he fit, is he fit, Manu, 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 would you bring him in and put him at the centre of your action or would you say the ball never gets through him, we, 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 we can't play rugby with him there? Well, you can play rugby with him there. You play a particular style of rugby. Um, this is just a personal view I wouldn't but that's just me I mean I'd have Farrell at 10 um, and I'd have uh, Henry Slade in the team somewhere mm. and I'm not quite sure I, 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 but that's a different argument I and mean, if you want to play a particular way and and, and Eddie's always been very keen on Ben Teo everyone, everyone mm. thinks Ben Teo I know he's injured but uh, mm. he, he was very keen to get Ben Teo into that into that team mm. and, and if you you're playing your, 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 your direct runner at 12 or 13 you know it's interesting because Eddie went very much with the two playmaker model I think the big question which I'm, I'm not sure I know the answer yet but he will his cards will become pretty clear reasonably soon is whether he's still wedded to that mm. and, and I'm not I'm seeing one or two signs that he might not be but we'll see when everybody's fit 10, 12, 13 Sam? Farrell when everybody's fit. Everybody's fit. Farrell, T.O. Slade. Alex? Farrell, Tulangi, Lazowski. Um, Mark? I'm, I'm with Sam. Well, that's uh, all very clear then. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's go to the usual Gods of the Week um, uh, awards. Um, someone, man or woman, who's done absolutely magnificently this weekend. We'll start with you, Sam. Your God of the Week. Gareth Anscombe. Gareth Anscombe, God of the Week. Immaculate. Um, uh, moved to 15 from 10. You don't think it's uh, denigrating? player. You don't think it's diminished the award given it to a Kiwi? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I've got to go back to Wales. OK. Mark, God of the Week or Goddess? Peter Smythe. Peter Smythe. Fight. Hang on a second. Who's Peter Smythe? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Peter Smythe <laughs> is the Academy Director at Leinster. Right. And... Mm. If you if you actually look at the numbers, Leinster have only got four overseas players. They're probably the lowest number of any team in the three European leagues. They had 16 of their 23 um, Heineken uh, Champions League winning team last year came out of their academy. They are the Ajax of rugby. And before anyone says, oh, yeah, they've got all these players, they've all got all these players... There are 70 rugby clubs in Leinster, including the universities. There are more rugby clubs in Surrey. He has done, and the people before him, an absolutely standout job that allows an organisation to run the rugby and the team in their province and 15 million euros, which wouldn't put them in the top six or seven turnovers of the Gallagher Premiership. Just absolutely outstanding from a bloke that most people in rugby outside Ireland never heard of. That's true. Alex, um, is that two votes for Smythe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I just want to mention two people. One, one person, Jonah Narecki, 
the Otago wing who uh, went off injured with a smashed testicle oh, yeah. came back on and helped his team win yeah. which I'm not sure is sensible but it's certainly brave my vote would go to uh, my old club Timesians in Twickenham not who, the god who's the god you can't have a club yes, god. Mr. T. Mesian. Yes, you no, can. You, you can have an individual god. No, you Tam. Can. Well, you can't have 15 gods. It's the god is the Tam almighty. Greek. Joan and Arachne, then. All right, okay. Well, do you want to right. pick out one Timesian? No, because, because for the first time this week, they fielded a, a ladies 15. Okay. Goddesses of the week. Goddesses of the week. Goddesses of the week. The They've Tunisian. grown from a small club. Yeah. When I was there, they had one team, now two teams, and a vets team. Right. And they fielded a women's team for the first time. Mine, just to, on the final note, is Maro Itoji. He's been pilloried by the mincing ranks of uh, of fools and people who don't understand the glories of rugby and personalities for joining in the celebration by Glasgow when Glasgow thought they'd scored and were all in the celebration. He jumped on top of them making fun because he knew it was no try. And I think that was brilliant because rugby's got to be about individuals, even Freddie Burns. And... Um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for everyone. Um, or from wherever you are in rugby, whoever you watch, wherever you play, whatever level, uh, stick with us. Next week, the podcast is on Tuesday, not Monday. Thanks to the Pazza family for being so loyal in their, with their family support. And we'll be back next week with The Ruck. Thank you. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.